you guys, today the V2 is being released. And this is a better NCLEX review for you guys. What makes it better is that you have your content plus your questions all in one place. It's a better value right now. You don't have to go searching for it. Plus three months access to the course. Plus you get a downloadable digital workbook. We'll have to wait. You can start it right now. And also you guys are going to get the next generation question bank. So it has the content plus the questions and the question bank has your regular NCLEX questions. Plus it has next gen case studies, drop down multiple rate matrix. My favorite part about V2 is the electronic health records. Cause I think there is such a benefit from being able to read a patient's chart and recognize important nursing cues. So if you are new to Remar nurse, this is Regina Emerson, number one NCLEX instructor on the planet. My Hi. name is Mark. I am her husband, president of Remar Review. Yep. Uh, we believe that you can, you will, and you must pass NCLEX because with God, it's possible. Amen. Before we get into our first lecture, all I want to do is say a prayer for you guys. I know that you guys have been studying. We read the comments on the uh, on the video. Yeah. Everybody said, you know, I can, I will, I must praise God in Jesus' name. Uh, and yes. just really wanted to just put that out there. Um, so that if that is the journey that you're on, we invite you to partner with us in your studying, in your prayer, uh, and then on this faith walk as well. So if you don't mind, we're going to say a quick word of prayer, and then we're going to get started into our nursing, uh, nursing lecture uh, for this Black Friday review. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Father in heaven, we thank you for just allowing us to come boldly before your throne of grace, even uh, from YouTube and uh, just where we are all around the world. Lord, I said you would be with the Remar nurses. Uh, the ones that have been calling upon your name, the ones that have been praying for their nursing career and praying for strength and praying uh, over anxiety and praying for their children. Lord, you they are your children and you hear them. Uh, so, Lord, we stand in agreement for the prayers that have been offered in faith and, and the journey that you have placed them on. Be with them today. Be with us during this class that the technology uh, and the broadcast will go smoothly. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. So if you have your Black Friday workbooks out, Go ahead and get them out. We're going to hop into our first video on today, which is age-specific nursing care. And then right after that, we will go over important points. We're going to give away $500 to our first winner right after this video. Are you guys ready? I think they're ready. Let's ready? Get started. Let's get started. All right. Age-specific nursing care. Get your workbooks out. Let's do it. Hey guys, we are gonna get started with age-specific nursing care. These are the important points that you wanna make sure that you know. Now, during this lecture, I may go back and forth between the word client or patient. I remember they mean the same thing for the exam. No matter what the age of the client, they all have the same rights, and that is the right for safety, privacy, confidentiality, comfort, pain management, choices and control, and finally, involvement of family or significant others. And remember, it is the client who determines who their family is, not the nurses or healthcare workers. Let's look at different age groups. Our first age group that we want to talk about is age 1 to 12. The top two nursing concerns for this age group are, number one, medication errors. 
Remember, pediatric doses are often miscalculated by healthcare workers. Pediatric patients are actually three times more likely to have a medication error. The second nursing concern is complications with IVs. Remember, IVs are hard to get into kids. You have to do a lot of distraction, education, and comfort. But once they're in, what do kids want to do with those IV sites? Yes, they want to play with them. They want to touch them. So there is a big risk for infection when it comes to pediatric IVs. Before administering a medication to a pediatric client, you need to ask for their name and birth date. Now, if the patient is too young, is it appropriate for the parents to answer? What do you think? Absolutely, it's okay. The parents can answer. Also, another teaching point is that patients have to be positioned properly before giving medications such as oral pills, oral liquids, or feeding for this age group to prevent aspiration. Separation from the primary caregiver is still the number one fear in the pediatric population. You know, for adults, the number one fear is actually totally unrelated. It's public speaking. My remark tip for this age group is when kids get sick, during this period, their behavior tends to regress. And I talked about this before. For example, if a child has um, mastered sleeping through the night without any bathroom breaks, when they're sick, they may have occurrences of bedwetting. The next age group are our teenagers, 13 to 18. The goals of this age group, they are to develop relationships with the opposite sex, also establishing a sexual identity. We have coping with body changes. They have the need to establish independence from their primary caregiver as well. The medication that I want you to know concerning this age group is isotretinone. Now, this medication is used to combat acne. But there are some NCLEX points when this medication is prescribed for our teenage or adolescent client. This medication will elevate the triglycerides. Also, if a patient is on this medication and they're sexually active, two forms of birth control need to be used because severe birth defects can result. With isotretinin, you can't take this medication with vitamin A because it is already inside of the medication. And this can be very scary for our teenage clients, but once you begin taking this medication, in the beginning, you will have an inflammation of the eyes, the mouth, and the face. But don't worry, this is normal. Our clients could think that the medication is making their acne worse, but actually this is the process by which the medication begins to work. The psych priority in this age group is depression. Actually, adolescent clients are 
at a risk for suicide, it is a prevalent cause of death in this age group. The next age group are our young adults, 19 to 40 years old. A goal for this age group is to number one, resolve issues from adolescence, and two, when they are sick, rearranging responsibilities of work, child rearing, etc. The next age group are our 40 to 60 year olds. The number one concern for this age group is to identify diseases based on risk factors. Yes, this is super important for our adults. Hypertension and hyperlipidemia are often diagnosed in the hospital, even if the client is there for other reasons. So uh, a 35-year-old male may come in for symptoms of the flu, and while they're there, they get blood work done and they find out that they have high cholesterol or that they're pre-diabetic. So it's very important for this age group to understand risk factors and registered nurses to do a lot of education. Now, with community health nursing, there are three levels of prevention that you want to know about, and we will go over here, primary, secondary, and tertiary prevention. Now, the goal of primary prevention is to keep healthy people healthy. We want to prevent them from getting any kind of disease or illness. Our primary prevention techniques are immunization, accident prevention, and clean environments or sanitation. Again, the goal is to keep individuals healthy. Now with secondary prevention, we are focused on early recognition of a disease and treatment to combat that disease. So our secondary prevention techniques are medications, okay? Because a client already has hypertension, we identify it early, we put them on a beta blocker or ACE inhibitor because we want to um, treat the condition as early as possible. Another very important group of secondary prevention techniques are screenings. So any kind of screening on NCLEX, whether it is um, a mammogram or HIV screening or testing or a pap smear, these will all be considered secondary prevention techniques, any kind of screenings. Our tertiary prevention is all about containing the damage all right, of a disease and also preventing further deterioration. So a significant illness has happened to a patient and we want to maximize the health of the patient after this. So for example, our tertiary prevention techniques are physical therapy, exercise programs after an illness. So for example, if, if we're speaking about stroke, if a client has a stroke, the physical therapy after the stroke will help to minimize the damage. Exercises after the stroke will help to minimize the damage. Also, dietary supplements or therapeutic diets will help to minimize the damage of an illness that is already present. So when I say dietary supplements, consider a client that has AIDS or HIV. 
where their immune system is compromised and it's very important that they get adequate nutrition from the foods they eat, okay? Now, the site concerns for this age group, we're talking about our adults here, it's caring for children and parents at the same time. Our elderly clients, we're talking about 60, 65 and over. The goals for this population are to positively grieve the loss of a spouse. Also, transition into retirement. It's difficult when an individual has got a purpose from their job or an industry. And now once they're in retirement, they find that they don't have much to do. And so they struggle to fill their time positively. The third goal is to maintain physical capabilities and prevent cognitive decline. Oh, our nursing concerns for this age group. Number one is medication safety. Why is that such a big issue for the elderly? Well, it is because they have a lower metabolism. So they have a lower metabolism, so medications stay in their body a longer time, right? So the metabolism is lower, but the body fat tends to be a little higher. So the medications will stay in their system for a long time. We also have to be aware of polypharmacy. Some elderly patients are taking multiple medications to treat the illnesses that they have. When it comes to medication safety, we have to assess the client's mental status as well whenever we are giving um, a medication. And so essentially for our elderly clients, we are as well going to be asking them the correct identifiers, their name and their birthday. And if they cannot give us those identifiers, then we know we have an issue with some cognitive concerns or cognitive declines. The next thing that we need to look at is number two, falls. For falling prevention, it is essential. It is essential in the elderly client because the rehabilitation after a fall can be very long and very intensive. So I want to look at some things that we can address to help prevent falls. Number one is communication. Our communication with our elderly clients should be slow and direct. Slow and direct. We should present one thought at a time. Make sure that if we give a direction, the client is able to verbalize and understanding. The second is pain. We want to make sure that our elderly clients are not in pain. One of the reasons why an elderly client will get out of bed will be to come find you to let you know that they're having pain. So we need to address that with proper control. Number three is prevention. There are some things that we can do to help prevent falls such as what is the number one thing we need to give our patients to make sure that they don't fall? It is a call light. It is a call light or a way to notify you when they want to get out of bed. We can also give them non-slip socks and implement a bowel and bladder program 
where they know that every hour, every two hours, they will get help ambulating to and from the bathroom. These are all things that will help. The third thing we need to go over is skin breakdown. Um, nutrition restraints and the Braden scale are what we're going to go over. But first, let me ask you this. When it comes to when it comes to skin breakdown, we know that number one, nutrition is very important. If your patient is adequately fed and adequately hydrated, their skin will be more resistant to skin tears and pressure ulcers. But let me ask you this, nurses. What laboratory value is most important to determine the nutritional situation of your patient? If I want to know if I have a malnourished client, what laboratory value will let me know that? Can you think of it? It is albumin. The albumin level of your patient is very important because it's going to tell you how much protein they have. It's going to tell you if your patient has been eating properly. So write down that albumin level. And I expect you guys to look up the normal level of albumin in a healthy adult. So nutrition is very important. Um, there are some factors that will affect your client's nutrition. Um, if they have a difficulty chewing or swallowing in the elderly patients, sometimes they struggle with being able to break down food and eat. So that may affect your patient. The second, when it comes to skin breakdown that we want to be mindful of is restraints. Putting the elderly client in restraints can absolutely lead to skin breakdown because if the elderly client is confused, they will be trying to get out of the restraints and that tugging and pulling can definitely cause skin breakdown. So as the registered nurse, you want to make sure that you understand the applications of putting on a restraint. The third is the Braden scale. And I'm just telling you guys about this for familiarity with the term. The Braden scale is used to just assess the client's risk for skin breakdown. You do not have to have this scale memorized, but you do want to know what it's for. Okay, that concludes our age-specific nursing care. I want to dig a little bit deeper and go into the expected changes during aging a little bit more. We're going to talk about it according to body system, and you're going to take some great notes. Okay. Is it better? <laughs> okay. All right. We're back. Our first video is underway. You guys hear me now? All right. Our first video is underway. And what you saw is a preview of what will be in V2. And I hope you guys realize that my lectures focus on content, content, content. Uh, most nursing students who fail NCLEX fail because they focused on questions 
and try to do critical thinking before applying the content. So that's what we do here. The questions will come later, right? So I want you guys to remember the things that we talked about in that video. The difference between primary, secondary, and tertiary prevention, important point, huge. Lots of NCLEX questions can be on that. And the other things that we went over with age-specific nursing care, we're gonna continue on with expected changes in aging and then do some basic care and comforts and then we'll do our first case study, right? And our case study will be a combination of the things that we went over this first section. So make sure you're taking great notes. When you get into the V2, you'll be able to replay the videos um, more than one time. A, a lot of nursing students will say they listen to the videos while they're going to work or where they're cleaning. You'll get comfortable with it. It's a challenge, right? But you can handle it. You can, you will, you must pass NCLEX. All right, so let's... Um, Let's do this. I said I said it was time to do this. I said it was time to do this. All right. We got our first winner coming up. $500 cash app explosion. All right. Our winner is, let me see, let me see, let me see. Boom. It is going to be Ruth McLennan who says, I can, I will, I must pass NCLEX. Lord Jesus, I pray for all these students on here who are doing their best to study for NCLEX. Congratulations, Ruth. We have all tried so hard to get here. With your help, we can and we will pass NCLEX. I want to pray and bless Nurse Regina for all her skills in helping all of us become amazing nurses. May we all pass and use our careers to help, yes, help and heal others in and around our life and community. I pray this in the name of the loving father who loves us unconditionally. Amen. 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 So we have our first winner. Congratulations. $500 is going to you. May you use it to be a blessing to everyone around you. We still have more winners and we're giving out pop-up cash prices. I'm still waiting on Leah to give me her cash app. She won $100 at the beginning of the, huh? At the, uh, yeah, at the beginning of the, uh, the broadcast. So we are live here, guys. Anything goes. But what's about to happen now? What's about to happen now? Right. Huh? What's... Yes. Cash app. If you win us, if you win the $500 today, you, you need to email us. Email us with your cash app name uh, so that we can get you your money. All right. That's just how it works. All right. So you're going to give us your information and we'll get it to you. All right. Okay. So what's about to happen now is we're going to go into our second lecture video, which is expected changes in aging. So if you have your workbook out, I'm, tr I'm trying to take notes along with you guys. We're going to do expected changes in aging. Another huge, another huge consideration for NCLEX and the idea here is that you are seeing the proper way to study. There is a right way to study. And that right way is for us to focus on the content, sit in the class, sit and listen in a class, and then we'll do questions together, okay? So I'm gonna dial it up and get it ready for you guys.
welcome to expected changes during aging. The aging process affects every individual differently. We know that. But as our bodies age, there are certain physiological changes that you can prepare for as a natural part of growing old. So we're going to look at different systems and I'm going to tell you the changes tested on NCLEX. So the first system is the cardiac system, and that involves our heart, of course. What you can expect as you grow older is a decreased cardiac output. So the cardiac output decreases, but what happens is there is an increase gradually in the blood pressure. And that is because the vessels tend to become more non-compliant they constrict a little bit more. Now, a big thing that you have to understand is orthostatic hypotension. Orthostatic hypotension. And this is common in the elderly. And it's essentially a decrease in blood pressure as the position of the client changes. So with orthostatic hypotension, I want you guys to, to understand this principle if this is the first time you're hearing it. But when you take uh, orthostatics, you have the patient lie flat, you do a blood pressure. Then you move them to a sitting position, you do a blood pressure. And of course, I'm saying blood pressure, but the blood pressure also includes the heart rate as well. And then you have them up to a standing position, you check the blood pressure and you check the pulse. Now, if a client is positive for orthostatic hypotension, then as they sit up and as they stand, you will notice that the blood pressure decreases and the heart rate goes up to try to compensate for that dropping blood pressure. So it is kind of common with our elderly patients. So that is why we encourage them to change positions slowly, change positions slowly. Another point that I want you to know is that the peripheral circulation in the elderly client also decreases. So think about that, Remar nurses, as the patient grows older, if the blood and the nutrients are not getting to the periphery or the extremities, how is that going to affect skin? How is that going to affect capillary refill? all those things okay all right now we need to look at the respiratory system of course here as you get older you're going to have increased oxygen demands increased oxygen demands but a decreased lung expansion all right so with increased oxygen demands that simply means that when an elderly client does activity such as going up the stairs or um, going grocery shopping or driving, anything that's going to have them to be doing activity, getting in and out of the car and driving somewhere, they're going to require a little more oxygen. But as we age, the vascular, the vessels and, and, and the muscles and everything, they don't expand as freely, they're not as flexible, so the decreased lung expansion will be noted. Here is a question. Is it normal 
for an elderly client to wear oxygen. What do you think? Is it normal for an elderly client to wear oxygen? Think about this. When you turn a certain age, is it happy birthday, you're 59, you're 65, you're 75, here's your oxygen because this is a normal part of aging. What do you guys think? No, absolutely not. Anytime you see someone wearing oxygen, there is some disease process that is requiring that additional oxygen all the time. So it is very, very important for nurses to understand that oxygen is a medication, all right? It's not something that you just give casually to someone. It's a medication and there needs to be a disease process to back it up. Now, one of my hobby horses as a, a nurse instructor, as a preceptor, as a mentor, is that when you put oxygen on a patient, make sure, make sure that after the oxygen is no longer therapeutic, you remove it. And this is a, a personal matter as nurses, as an NCLEX expert, I need you guys to know that normally after about six hours, oxygen is no longer therapeutic for acute conditions. So I'm going off here, but this is important for you to understand. If a patient comes in and they have a myocardial infarction and we put oxygen on them, after about six hours, that oxygen is no longer therapeutic. And so you're just having the patient to maintain oxygen with no benefit. And so what happens is people come into the hospital all the time, oxygen is initially put on them for the reason why they're there, but it's never taken off. And so they may be in the hospital for three and four days. And then when it's time to be discharged, the nurse attempts to take the oxygen off. And what happens after a patient has been on oxygen for three days? They cannot breathe. They have shortness of breath. They need the oxygen. So many people come into the hospital with no oxygen, but leave with a prescription for continuous oxygen because nurses have failed to take that oxygen off the patient when it was the appropriate time. So I say all that because I want you guys to be excellent nurses. As a Remar nurse, you have a responsibility to do no harm and to teach others to do the same. Okay. Let's move on to the integumentary system. We're talking about the skin here. As you grow old, the skin becomes dry, thin, wrinkled. Yes, that is what we expect. There is also a decline in the ability to repair damaged tissues and also a decline in wound healing abilities. And so this, this goes back to the other organ functions, right? If the heart is not able to effectively um, supply the, the periphery with nutrients and oxygen, then that's going to de decrease the amount of healing that can take place. You know, skin changes in the elderly can lead to lower self-esteem as well. Oh, the reproductive system in the elderly, you need to monitor the hormonal changes. So for women, there is a decrease in 
estrogen. A decrease in estrogen, which of course leads to menopause. For the men, there is a decrease in testosterone. Let me give you these NCLEX tips that you want to know. Elderly adults are still sexually active and they have to be educated on STDs, sexually transmitted diseases. If you look at the prevalence of sexually transmitted diseases and the top five groups who are contracting them, you will find that the elderly tend to be in that top five. So we have to make sure that we educate them on those STDs. For women, vaginal dryness is common and it is something that needs to be discussed with the nurse or healthcare provider. Erectile dysfunction is also common in men. So we need to know those medications for NCLEX as well. You can check them out in your quick facts for NCLEX. The musculoskeletal system includes the bones, the joints, and the tendons. For the elderly, there is a decreased range of motion, a decreased calcium level, and a decrease in overall muscle. You need to know that bone loss begins at age 40 commonly. The GU system, the genital urinary system, there are changes that happens to the urinary tract and urinary system as well. The kidneys actually get smaller as you age. So as well, the bladder size decreases. So if you have a smaller bladder, what you're going to have is urinary frequency because that bladder needs to be emptied more frequently. Dehydration is a common issue in the elderly. Uh, let me ask you this question. Is urinary incontinence normal as you age? Is it expected? Um, is it normal? What do you say? Yes, it is normal. Kegel exercises. Kegel exercises can be used to strengthen the pelvic floor muscles in women and in men. I talked about that during pregnancy and we're seeing it again. As you guys can tell, the NCLEX, so many things tied together to help you have a really strong foundation for this exam. The gastrointestinal changes that you need to know, dry mouth is common, constipation. There is a delayed gastric emptying that will contribute to that constipation. The overall digestion ability decreases for fatty, greasy kinds of foods. Let me say this, is tooth loss a normal part of aging? What do you say? Is it common for the elderly? And I know we see it a lot. A lot of elderly people have false implants and dentures. But is that a normal part of aging? Is it expected? The answer is no, it is not. Tooth loss is not a normal part of aging. It indicates that a client has poor dental hygiene. They have poor dental hygiene. The nervous system, the changes that are experienced are a decrease in activity of the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system. So the CNS and the PNS are the abbreviations. 
there is a decrease in reaction and reflex times as you grow older. So as nurses, we need to monitor for the need of assistive devices, such as canes, walkers, yes. Um, because with the decreased reaction time and also flexibility, mobility, those assistive devices are important for balance and coordination. You know, the mental function of the elderly should remain intact. If intelligence decreases, a disease process is present. I got to talk about the immune system. There is a decrease in the functioning of the immune system. So that means that our elderly patients are at an increased risk of illness. And for NCLEX, you want to encourage the seasonal flu vaccine. The endocrine system, there is a decrease secretion of the thyroid hormone. This as well affects the metabolism of our client. Also, there is a decreased insulin production. So let me ask you this, if there is a decrease in insulin production by the endocrine system, will that make the blood sugar levels increase or decrease? What say if you? If there's a little insulin production in the body, do the blood sugars go up or down? Those blood glucose levels will be increased, increased. So you want to definitely watch out for that for your clients. And finally, we have the senses. Hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, seeing. What do you think happens as you age? Everything, all of the senses will decrease. The smell declines. The taste declines. Hearing, there is a loss of high-pitched sounds. And these are the first sounds to go. So when I'm educating elderly clients, I have to make sure that I talk in a lower, deeper voice. Because if I talk in my regular voice, they cannot hear me. Also, we're encouraging the use of visual and hearing aids. And again, we're speaking in a slower tone, in a deeper, lower tone, so that they can hear us. All right, your expected changes of aging have been reviewed. Let's move on. Right now is our Black Friday sale. What you guys are experiencing are videos that come from our V2, videos that come from V2. And there is a nursing student out there right now who you love videos, right? You love to learn by videos, but you also need the text on the screen to help you stay focused. And you also need a workbook so that you can write down if you're like me. And so that is one of the reasons why V2 has these core components of the lectures. I want you guys to feel what it's like to study. There's somebody here that said that they don't have hope. They've been putting off NCLEX for so long that they don't even think that they can really pass. I want you to know that there are thousands of people right now that are saying, 
I can, I will, I must pass NCLEX. You need to tap into that energy. You need to speak positively to yourself in this moment that you absolutely can pass this test because this is an opportunity that you don't want to miss. When you get your nursing license, your life is going to change. When you get that license in the mail, doors are going to open. And that's what you guys are here for. You want doors to open. You want to be able to go to the next level. It's time to go to the next level. 2022 is ending. There's a new year coming. There's another level to living that you need to get to. Because I'm telling you, as a registered nurse, it is better here than when I was in nursing school, okay? So when you get in V2 and you're watching the videos, yes, you can play them over again. You'll be able to write it down, but I have to continue to go because opportunities don't last always. I'm giving you guys an opportunity to come, to learn, to do what you need to do, to pass NCLEX. And it's also Black November. It's Black November. It's all Black everything. Come on, somebody. You will get into the V2. All right, we're going to go to the next. Okay, this is it. This is it. If I'm looking at my workbook, we're going to go to basic care and comfort. This is our next video. And then we have our questions. So this is the last video. And then we have our questions that are coming up. So you and I will sit down. Don, can, you, can I get my smoothie or something right now? I'm just, all right. We're going to go into the questions. So get out your critical thinking. If you haven't done them, if you haven't done them already, we have the case studies. OK, uh, that we're going to do. And then we're just going to go into some other next gen questions. Somebody was like, I thought this was about all next gen. It is next gen. All right. But we can't do next gen without reviewing content. They have to be together always. OK, so we're going to get to the case studies um, as well. Whatever notes did I take? Oh, yeah, I wrote this down. I can. I will. I must pass NCLEX. So let's go. Smoothie on deck. Have your smoothies ready. Have your food ready. We got to keep going. All right, guys. So our next lecture is basic care and comfort. I'm going to get that for you. Welcome to your basic care and comfort overview for NCLEX. We are going to focus on providing care hygiene wise, looking at bladder and bowel elimination patterns as well. Let's start with hygiene. When bathing clients always start with the face, then move to the upper body and then the lower body. There are two points that I want to mention and that is with the elderly care. Remember, when we are providing hygiene care to our elderly clients, again, their skin is prone to tears because it is drier. So during the bath, we need to assess the skin. And we're looking for skin breakdown, skin tears, and alterations in skin patterns. Diabetic foot care is so very big for registered nurses because we have to teach these major points. Here they are. Wash and dry the feet daily. Do not soak the feet. Our diabetic clients should not cut 
their toenails. They should leave that up to their healthcare provider to do. And also do not use lotion between the toes. Because of diabetic neuropathy, sometimes clients cannot tell when they have tears or cuts or even infections in their feet. And so they have to be assessed very frequently. And we also need to check for skin breakdown in our clients who have diabetes mellitus. Let me ask this question. Who should be delegated to give the client a bath? Is it the job of the registered nurse, the licensed practical nurse, or the unlicensed assistive personnel? The correct answer is the unlicensed assistive personnel. If you didn't get that right, we will look into delegation during this review. If you got it right, congratulations, you knew that point. Now it's time to go over rest. Adequate sleep supports good health. Let's look at some different age groups and talk about the NCLEX notes on their sleeping patterns. So our first age are our infants zero to one years old. We expect 14 to 20 hours of sleep each day. Remember, we place infants on their back to reduce sudden infant death syndrome or SIDS. Also, do not place objects in the cribs objects such as pillows, blankets, and toys, although they look really nice, they can be suffocation hazards to this age group during sleep. Children from ages two to eight, we expect 10 to 14 hours of sleep each day. And this can be a mixture of nighttime sleep and or naps may be required. Adults, need to get seven to nine hours of sleep each night. Um, we teach adults not to exercise immediately before bed so that they can have normal sleeping patterns. Our 65 and up elderly clients, when it comes to rest, there is a decline in deep sleep patterns. Insomnia is a sleeping disorder that may be present. And remember, when I say insomnia, most people think insomnia is just having difficulty falling asleep. However, insomnia can actually range from difficulty falling asleep to difficulty staying asleep to periods of intense restlessness. So insomnia is a general term for a sleep disorder. It's also important for our elderly clients to establish routine sleep patterns. So specific places that they do sleep, specific hours of the day that they allocate for sleeping as well will help them to have a better sleep quality. Now let's look at hydration. Dehydration is a fluid imbalance. And you guys know the signs of dehydration. What do we have? We have dry mucous membranes, poor skin turgor, 
oliguria. What does oliguria mean? It's very little urine output. You will have that with dehydration. Also, the skin will feel cool to the touch. When it comes to dehydration, there's also some cardiac changes that happen. And the most prominent one is tachycardia. Remember, when it comes to dehydration, the urine levels may drop below the normal of 30 milliliters an hour. The causes of dehydration range. One of the most common is the urinary tract infection or UTI. Also, diarrhea, vomiting, and diabetes mellitus also cause dehydration. In an effort to fix dehydration, we need to rehydrate the patient. So there are some tips about rehydration that I want you guys to be mindful of. The first one is that oral hydration can be just as effective as IV hydration if started early enough. So number one, we want to start with oral hydration at five milliliters, all right? So we are encouraging the client to take small sips of water in order to regain their hydration. The second point is do not force oral fluids. And the third, if oral fluids are not tolerated, then what is the next step? What do you guys think? How will we get the fluid in our patients? The next step is the NG tube going down the nose. So not IV fluids, but the NG tube is going to be the next way we can rehydrate our patient. Let's get into our bladder and bowel elimination. We're going to start with the bladder and we're just going to talk about some normals that we expect. So how much urine in a day is normal? I mentioned it before, but do you remember? Yes, it's 30 milliliters an hour is our expected amount of urine produced. Should there be an odor in urine? No, there should be none. What about the urine-specific gravity? Now, this is a range of numbers. I'm going to tell you one. 1 1.016 to 1.022 is a range. Now, if you look at other resources, you may find these numbers to be slightly different. And NCLEX takes into account of the various ranges. So if you get a urine-specific gravity, it will be way off. Stick to this number. And the normal urine pH is 4.6 to 8.0. Now, here's a question. Why are urinary tract infections more common in women than men? Can you think? It is because the urethra is a lot shorter in women than it is in men. Hey, let's do some matching of common urinary conditions. So I have here listed for you the conditions and I want you to match them to the definition. Take a second to do that. And when you come back, we will go over the answers. So just press pause on the video and press play when you're ready to begin. Let's go over the matching terms. The first term is anuria, and this is C, no kidney function. 
The second glycosuria is A, glucose in the urine. Next we have hematuria. This is D, blood in the urine. Next up, pyuria. This is pus in the urine. And then the last is enuresis. And this is B, involuntary urination at night. You might also see this called bedwetting in your NCLEX question as well. One of the top skills that you have to be able to teach is the collection of the 24-hour urine. It's a simple, simple procedure, but we have to make sure that everyone involved from the client to our assistive personnel know what to do. So the 24-hour urine collection, you need to start with an empty bladder. We ask the patient to void and we throw away that urine. All urine must be kept in one container. And if a urine sample is missed, then you have to start all over again. And during the 24-hour collection period, we have to keep the urine on ice. Now, if a woman is scheduled to have a 24-hour urine collection, during menstruation, what should the registered nurse do? That answer is going to be to notify the healthcare provider and let them make the call whether to continue with the 24-hour urine collection or not. I want you guys to be totally prepared for all situations that you can come across on your NCLEX exam. Great job. Now let's look at another question. It says here, which of the following is the correct order for the registered nurse to perform an abdominal assessment? What do you guys think? Number one, the choice is auscultation, percussion, inspection, and palpation. Number two says inspection, auscultation, percussion, and then palpation. Three, inspection, palpation, percussion, auscultation, or four, percussion, inspection, auscultation, and palpation. What do you say? This may be a little tricky, but the correct answer is number two, inspection, auscultation, percussion, and palpation. The abdominal assessment is a little different from other areas in the body, so make sure that you know these steps for your NCLEX exam. Now, let's move on to the bowel. And let's talk about, first of all, when you're handling stool, normal stool, which isolation precaution you need to use. The answer is the universal or standard precautions for handling any kind of body fluid, including stool. Now, there are some factors that will affect a normal bowel pattern, okay? Some things that we need to be mindful of. And this is in regards to patients having an altered bowel pattern. So number one, of course, is privacy. When clients are in new environments, it's hard for them to use the restroom. 
The second is age. Age changes the gastrointestinal tract as we have learned. Pregnancy as well. Hydration can alter bowel patterns and also diet can alter bowel patterns. The definition of constipation is less than three bowel movements per week. The definition of diarrhea is three or more loose stools in a 24 hour period. Remember nurses, when you're doing enemas or digital removal of an impaction, watch out for vagus nerve stimulation. Watch out for vagus nerve stimulation. Now, there are two diagnostic tests that you need to know. The first one is the Guaiac test, and the second is the culture and sensitivity. Now, the Guaiac screen is for fecal occult blood or fecal hidden blood. Sometimes they'll call it occult or it will say hidden. Now, this just means that your patient is bleeding somewhere from their bowels. The fecal occult or the Guaiac exam can be positive or negative. If it's positive, it means there's bleeding. If there's negative, it means there's no bleeding. Now, for NCLEX, for a, a positive diagnosis of colon cancer, there needs to be three positive guaiac tests in a period of time, okay? And the doctor will determine that period of time. But just because someone has one positive uh, fecal occult sample, that doesn't mean that they have cancer of any kind, all right? Now, the culture and sensitivity exam is used to determine the best treatment when it comes to bacteria in the stool. So literally, the culture part is where bacteria in the stool is allowed to grow. And then the sensitivity part is that bacteria being exposed to different types of antibiotics to determine which one is going to get rid of the infection the best, okay? All right, here's a last question for you guys. The nurse administering an enema to a client knows that the tip of the tubing should be inserted into the rectum while the client is in a sitting position as on the toilet. Is that true or false? What do you guys think? Do we insert the tip of the tubing into the rectum while the client is in a sitting position? No, absolutely not. That's going to be false. If we try to do that, we could be at risk for perforating the rectum. The patient should be in the lateral SIMS position if they are receiving an enema. Okay, we are going to do some practice questions and then we are moving on to the next topic. Great job, guys. And again, guys, that was a video lecture from V2, which is the better in review 
it is the one that I have created. And on Black Friday today, it's just $89. And you guys, this Inclex review, I want to talk about it a little bit because my team has been working, Team Remar, who are working, thank you guys so much for the day after Thanksgiving, Team Remar, you are here with myself and Mark supporting our Remar nurses. Team Remar has been working so hard on V2 for like the last two years. And when we came out, we said, this is going to be a better NCLEX review. This is a $400 NCLEX review, but we are giving it to you guys for $89 for three months access. So it's really $29 a month. And I don't know, it's just a blessing. And congratulations for the 2000 of you that are here. This is the largest free NCLEX review on the planet happening right now. There is nothing else going on for nursing students but what you guys have created. So Team Remar plus the Remar nurses together, we do unbelievable things, unbelievable things. When I talk about V2 and I talk about how it has the content plus the videos like uh, and the questions, it's kind of like I and I told you guys, I'm in a group right now of nurse educators and everybody is talking about next generation NCLEX. We are literally 127 days away from next generation NCLEX launching. And the teachers are saying, I don't know how I'm going to do case studies with my students. I don't know where I'm going to do bow tie questions. Our school does not have the technology to do these next gen electronic health records. But guess who does? And I'm sitting in the group and I'm just like, I have it like I have it for my nursing students. And that is so, so awesome to be able to say, you guys, it's your technology. Like our people are covered. So thousands of us today are going to experience electronic health records, case studies, content, everything. And I'm just super excited about it. Also, I need to say this. There was a question as we we're going over these lectures, and I hope you guys like the lectures. I hope that they're not boring. They are uh, easy to watch. You're learning a lot because um, I'm taking notes with you guys. And before we get into the case study, there was uh, an, a question about universal and standard precautions being the same. So I want to address it because I love the comments. That's why we do these live classes because it's a way for us to study and learn from each other. Universal and standard precautions are not legally the same thing. And I want to take a minute to tell you why. Universal precautions are what it sounds like. It's a large, 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 large combination of things that nurses do. So when you talk about universal precautions, it means you are going, you're going all out to keep yourself safe from your patient. So not only are we treating blood and body fluids as possibly effective, infective, all blood and body fluids we treat as infective for universal precautions. We're also wearing gloves. We're also washing our hands. We are also protecting our hair. We're also protecting our body too. So it's the idea that our body needs to be protected. So we wear a uh, apron, right? We cover our shoes. We have to cover our hair if we will be potentially exposed to some blood or body fluids or some infection sources, right? So that's universal precautions. It's the thing that you do that covers all of you if you could be in harm. Standard precautions are like universal precautions, but standard precautions, I want you guys to think of it as the bare minimum. So most of the time we doing standard precautions, like 
we will put on gloves if we think that your blood or body fluid is infected, right? We are washing our hands, but typically we're not covering our shoes. We're not covering our hair. So universal is a lot, a lot more um, aggressive in protecting yourself. Standard is like the minimum, okay? So that's the point I wanted to bring out in our lectures. Welcome if you're if this is your first time here at Remar. Hi, my name is Regina, and this is what I do. I chop it up with nursing students. We learn, we study, and I hope you pass NCLEX. All right. Another question that I see because I'm taking questions live is also VT and V2 are not the same. VT was my original system. I moved on to V2. We transitioned, we're moving on to V2. So that is what the Black Friday sale is on, the new V2 system. And later on, I'll take you guys inside and show you around. But we got case studies right now. So in order to do the case studies, you need to have your workbook. It's gonna help you so much for your case studies. If you don't have your workbook and you're just trying to take free notes, you can do it. Stick around, try to get as much as you possibly can from this but it may seem like I'm going really fast because you don't have the workbook, but it's all right. We're gonna go over some good principles here, okay? Watching from Cincinnati, Ohio, told your, told your classmates to get on right now. Ah, <laughs> all right. So um, I see your questions. I see all of the great, amazing questions and I want to address them. Let's get through the questions first. $100 to what person? Okay, $100 to the person that's watching from Cincinnati, Ohio. It's just like that. All right, okay, $100 to you, Nurse Star Devon, watching from Cincinnati, Ohio. I called all my classmates and told them to get on YouTube right now. That's what we're talking about. Sharing in this community is very valuable. So when you do things like that, it makes Team Remark very happy. <laughs> and so please send us an email um, with your cash app name. And also, um, they may ask you for something else because we have people like trying to scam and saying that they won and they weren't Lu Ruth or Leah. So Ruth and Leah have been paid $500. We gave $100 out. So send us an email and show them that you made this comment so we can get you $100. It's really that simple, folks. We are going in for a Black Friday here at remarnurse.com, helping you get your nursing license and encouraging you along the way. I hope you guys are loving it. I'm loving this. I'm loving this. So we're going to do this next generation case study, okay? Now, you heard it here first. Some people may tell you don't worry about case studies yet. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. It's probably because they don't have access to create them. I'm about to give you my case study tips for when I'm writing case studies for you guys and when you're taking them on next gen NCLEX, this is how I want you to think about case studies. Here go my tips. <sighs> Here they go. Okay, the first one, when you get presented with a case study, don't start by reading about the client, start by reading your first question because that's gonna guide your reading. You're gonna know a lot, a lot, a lot about this person if you read that first case study first, okay? Another thing, when you are doing case studies, don't try to memorize, hey, the patient details. That's not what this is about. My third, my third tip is clinical over classroom. That's the difference with 
next generation NCLEX. That's the difference with my V2 is I'm emphasizing the clinicals because the clinicals is where you are going to, let me move my laptop out the way. The clinicals are where you're going to succeed when it comes to case studies and these other test question items. So that's the emphasis here, clinicals over classroom. And I know it's a new way of thinking because usually what do we say? Everything is by the book, right? For the NCLEX world. But for next-gen NCLEX, what I find is things are not so A, B, C, D. Things are like A to F, back to C, all right? And so we're going to take a journey together. I'm going to be here. I'm going to walk you guys through it. Let's get into our first case study, okay? I'm going to read it for those of you who haven't. Don't tell me that it's blurry on the screen or that it's too small. I know it's too small, but this is what I have to do for those of you who don't have it, okay? So here it is. This is our case study presentation, and I'm starting off slow with you guys. This is it, just the ER note. The nurse is admitting a 65-year-old male with chief complaint of head contusion secondary to falls. Here is the ER note. The client reported dizzy spells and lightheadedness when heading to the bathroom from bed. He was about to use the toilet when he passed out. He reported that this was the first time he passed out ever since having dizzy spells about a month ago. The client lives alone after his wife died a year ago. The client has long-standing essential hypertension and was diagnosed with depression a month ago and was started on trazodone. The client reported that he used to be active, but his energy levels have been low. The client reported having trouble sleeping at times recently with minimal benefit from trazodone. The client reported he has been urinating more at night, which also keeps him waking at night. The client denied chest pain, but presented bilateral leg edema, which is new for him. He denied bone pain and tingling sensation on hands and feet. What was that, guys? What just happened here? What just happened is it got real for y'all because this is how you get ER reports. Everything is not like, hey, uh, everything you, you like perfect like we do in nursing school when we practice on each other. No, you're gonna get a report like this that is messy, that has a lot of things going on. And now NCLEX, they don't care. They want you to be able to look at this and already know what's going on with your patients. Y'all should be putting in the comment screens right now what is going on with this patient? What are we worried about with this patient? Right now, okay? This is what NextGen NCLEX is going to do. It's gonna take what you learned in nursing school, it's gonna put it in the bag, it's gonna shake it up, and it's gonna dump it out and say, are you gonna kill somebody or are you gonna be a safe nurse? So we're trying to be safe nurses. So here's the first question. Identify the significant findings that require urgent attention and select three findings that apply. So already you're looking at a next generation NCLEX question. 
because you've never seen a question like this where it says, tell me three things, okay? And the reason why it's telling you, tell me three things is because you are going to get partial credit if you can identify some of these things, okay? Now, you can also get points taken away if you identify the wrong ones. Here we go. What are three findings? Number one, is it dizzy spells? Two, edema. Three, low energy levels. Four, syncope. Five, depression. Okay. What you're looking at right now is a next-gen NCLEX question. This came from my V2. So everything that we're doing is in V2 right now. Case studies are huge. All right. I see the comments on the screen. Uh, they're, they're different. Okay. People are saying two, three, some fours. All right. But remember, this is the thing. We were supposed to start by reading what first? Were we supposed to look at the case study or were we supposed to look at the what first? We were supposed to look at this first. Now, if we had looked at this first, we would have known already that we were going to be asked to look for urgent things. Okay, we were supposed to look at the question first. All right. So if we're looking at this question first. I, exactly. I love that, Ashley. All right. The correct answer. Let me get here. The correct answer is this. One, two, and four. One, two, and four. Did you guys identify those as urgent things? Okay, they're all important. They are all important. But I like what Ashley says. What needs to be acted on right now? Right now. So one, two, and four are going to be our priorities because this this client is having, he's falling out, right? He's falling out. I really don't know what's going on. I know he's taking trazodone. What kind of medication is that? All right, you're gonna have to put this together. What kind of medication is trazodone? They gave us that medication for a reason. Um, is that causing the dizziness? His wife died a year ago. Is this a sign of depression, what he's going through? All of them, all of them are good. Also, he has edema now that is new to him. Did you guys pick that up, right? So this is, this is an emergency because if my patient is not able to keep his mentation, right? And he may be having some issues with, I don't know, his brain, his blood pressure, what his uh, hypofrey, like something's going on with this person that he's falling out. So we're looking for three things, okay? Three things. Now, let's move on. Let's move on. I'm gonna keep it moving. All right, so now, and you know what? I'm struggling to do these on paper. I, I would much rather prefer to just, y'all do this in V2, where you don't have to see it on paper, but this is this is what we have for right now. Okay, so now we have more information given here, okay? Now you have the same ER notes. And so when I write case studies, 
the history, uh, that's going to say the same, but I'm going to add more information. So now I'm presenting you guys with the vital signs and you can see that they are 15 minutes apart and you should be able to recognize a trend here. What's happening with this patient. And then I'm also going to give you the medications that the patient is on. Looking at these medications, all of these medications are to be familiar to you already. You don't have time. You do not have time to be stumbling around on your NCLEX exam trying to figure out what these medications are. You got to know them. All right. Also, you should be able to recognize normal vital signs because, yes, for next generation NCLEX, guys, they are going to give you things for, for next gen NCLEX. You're not going to have to memorize laboratory values anymore. You're not going to have to do any math, like in terms of your conversions. All those things will be given to you. The electrolyte values will be given to you. Your normal blood glucose levels will be given to you. So you don't have to memorize normals. The questions are not going to be that. I'm writing questions now that is that are going to evaluate if you understand what it means if something is abnormal if you understand the cause of something being abnormal. So here, let's just, let me just go on and do the question because I might get ahead of myself, all right? Here's the next question. So based off of the vital signs, yes, 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 yes. Based off of the vital signs, all right, hold on one second, I need to address this. So make sure that you guys are working from your, cause somebody's like, I don't see these questions. Make sure you guys are working from your Black Friday NCLEX review books. If you have V2, you won't see this in the V2 workbook, okay? Cause the V2 workbook, you will actually see this in the actual question bank of V2. It won't be in a workbook like this. I only put this in here for those who, who don't have V2 and they're in the, the Black Friday workbook, okay? Uh, what page am I on, guys? Okay. What page is this? Because I don't my, my workbooks it looks it looks a little different. I'm on page 12 to 13. Okay. All right. You're watching it from your TV on your TV, casting on your TV. Oh gosh. That makes me nervous. All right, I'm getting back to it. Okay, here we go. The question is this, and keep asking questions. That's why I'm live, so I can address it in real time. Okay, so the nurse suspects orthostatic hypotension while obtaining the client's vital signs. Select three risk factors persistent with orthostatic hypotension. Number one is, uh, you're gonna just select three. Depression, two, age, Three, use of trazodone. Four, sleep disturbance. Five, use of aspirin. Or six, use of propanolol. And that was one of the medications that was um, in the electronic health record. Okay. So remember the video lectures we just watched? One of the answers are from that lecture right there. Okay. You guys are doing amazing. I'm so glad that this is helpful to you and you're enjoying studying. That's what it's about. Now put the answers on the screen. Now circle on your paper the answers. I want you to try to give it your best bet. We're only circling three, okay? Do your best here. Go with your first mind. 
Your first mind is usually right. When you start second guessing yourself on NCLEX, that's when you get stuff wrong. This is a case study. So that means that they're the next, mm, there's six questions that are gonna be on this one patient. So try to remember what you're learning about this patient and where this patient is going and what their needs are. That's where, that's where I'm trying to put you guys in the mindset. Let me show you the right answers. Let me, let me check the answers for myself because y'all, okay, I'm, okay, most of y'all are gonna agree with me. Some of y'all might not. We're talking about um, three risk factors for orthostatic hypotension, okay? Correct answer is two, three, and six. Did you get this one right? If you got this one right, um, and that's all three, then that means you will get all of the points, right? If you did not get it right, but you got some, then you're going to get partial credit. In V2, you will get partial credit. That's another benefit. That's why I say this is a better NCLEX review because you will start to get partial credit. Um, Deandra, that was a good question, Deandra. I need to, I'm going to try to find it again. Um, Yes, yes, yes. So we're talking about risk factors. We're talking about risk factors for orthostatic hypotension and age is one of them. When you get older, the compliance of your uh, vascular activity is not the same, okay? Um, the use of a trazodone, right? So this medication, and a lot of you put what it is, if you don't know this medication, you need to write it down and look it up for yourself. This medication is going to cause you to have some dizziness, okay? It is an antidepressant, but you need to figure out what it is. Um, and then propanolol, this is, a this is a beta blocker, right? So if you didn't learn anything in nursing school fundamentals or pharmacology, that OL, that law, right? OL, OL, that's beta blocker. So you should identify that very readily. You should identify that very readily and know that if we're talking about hypotension, a beta blocker will cause hypotension. Deandra, this is a good question. Deandra asks, is this also helpful for current NCLEX exam or should I buy V1? I'm a repeat test taker. So as you can see, what we're doing in terms of looking at a patient, asking ourselves, is this important? Is this not important? How do we prioritize this? I think that this is helpful, not only for NCLEX exam, but also real life. So that's why I'm saying this is a better NCLEX review. If you're taking the current NCLEX, why not? Why not just get in here, challenge yourself, make sure you're getting the content? Because the content is the same from V1, honestly. Like the videos that I did are amazing. I don't ever want to change those videos. I like them so much, right? And I know the content is the same in terms of pregnancy, uh, prioritization, delegation management. So what you'll see is an emphasis in the question bank that goes along with V2 that are going to support those content lectures. So if you are if you're testing more than 30 days out, like if your exam is the end of December or January or February, do V2. Even if you have VT and you're thinking about renewing VT, don't renew VT for $50. Just take $89 and go to V2 right? Because you're going to get that for three months. So it just makes sense, right? So that's why V2 is the better NCLEX review. I think the value is better. 
honestly, the value there is better where you're getting three months for $89. So that's why. All right. Okay. So we are now, we are now going to press in to our case study. Goodness gracious. We're going to press into our case study and we are going to look at the x-ray report. Okay. And the x-ray report, I'm showing you guys uh, the x-ray report, but I want to, I want to read through it um, here. So it's basically a CT of the patient's head. And as a nurse, you are going to have access to all of your patient's information. That's why confidentiality is such a big thing because you're going to have access to everything that any um, medical provider writes about this patient. So you don't have to be an expert in every subspecialty, but there are terms in medicine that you have to be familiar with, okay? So we're going to read the CT and basically come up with a general understanding of what's going on with our patient. So the CT says here, um, we have the radiology date there. It was a CT without contrast. Do you guys know what that means? A CT without contrast. The indication or the reason is pain status post-trauma. The comparison is none. So the technique that was, do, that was done, it was an axle unenhanced CT images of the head were obtained with coronal and sagittal uh, reconstructions. Y'all know what coronal is. You know what sagittal is. This is anatomy A and P one. All right, individualized dose optimization technique was used for this procedure through the use of an automated exposure control and or adjustment of the MA and or KV according to patient size. The radiation dose is there. We don't need to know the radiation dose. It's not important for us as nurses. We do need to know the findings and the impression. So the findings were there were no intracranial hemorrhage, no extra axle fluid collection, no midline shift. The ventricular system was unremarkable. There was a mild diffuse um, cerebral. And I know you guys may um, be like a little different. I'm reading, I'm looking at your workbook and then looking at um, what it says on my slides. So just follow along with me, okay? So um, no evidence, oh wait, I, I left you. No mild diffuse cerebral loss. The periventricular white matter was hypoattenuated without focal um, gray matter differentiation. No evidence of vascular abnormality. The scalp soft tissues were normal. Visualized facial bones intact. Orbits unremarkable. Visualized the perinasal sinuses, they were clear. The temporal bone structures were normal and the remaining extracranial structures were normal. The impression, no intracranial traumatic injury, no intracranial hemorrhage. Okay. All right. And tell me what we think about this person. Y'all answering, don't answer the questions yet. What would we say about our patient here based off of the CT that we just read? Do we have to worry about any trauma to the brain? Are we worried that his dizziness, his hypotension uh, is a result of a traumatic brain injury? What say it, you guys? <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
you guys, you don't know. I love, I love reading that and you guys being like, no, he's fine. Like you understand, y'all are speaking my language today and I love y'all. Y'all are my people. I got nurses in the house, Mark. Mark is probably like, I have no idea what that means to this patient. I have no idea. Good stuff. So we know now, and while you're taking NCLEX, and this is why I love what we do here, we already know I'm not worried about my patient having a hemorrhage. I'm not worried that he's bleeding in his brain. I don't have to worry about the fact that he's taking aspirin as an anticoagulant because we did see that he was on aspirin, right? So I'm not worried about that anymore. We're going to check that off our list because we still have questions to answer about this patient, right? So we're like knee deep in the case study. And now we were like, okay, is it, is it road this road or is it that road? We were at a crossroads. Now we know, okay, we're definitely on this track. So let's move through the case study here and let's look at the next question regarding this patient. So the question is here, the nurse is preparing to take a 30 minutes lunch. Whew. What? Now, now you know the NCLEX is not all the way real because let me tell you right now, we don't really get lunches in nursing. Yeah, that's like a that's like something that they don't tell you in the interview. You won't ever get a lunch, but you will learn to eat while going between patients' room. You'll learn to not use the bathroom for eight to 10 hours. It, it, these are tricks that you learn in nursing, right? So anyhow, this nurse is going to take a 30 minutes lunch break. Which of the following is necessary to include in the handoff report? All right, and so what this question is, this is a next-gen question type. You're going to have a, a sort of a, a matrix question, right? A single choice matrix. And you will have to choose whether information is relevant or irrelevant. And so this is that type of question, right? So what are we saying? In our handoff report, do we need to include recent vital signs? Okay. <laughs> right. No, I love this comment. Right. No, as I'm a medical assistant, no breaks. You eat at your desk and you don't get caught. No, I know. That's so true. Like you eat at the desk uh, in fear of persecution if you get caught. Do we need to include a recent BMI? Yes or no? Okay. Um, cognitive status, necessary or unnecessary? Fall status, necessary? Okay, unnecessary. All right, what about current medications? Necessary, unnecessary? And so look, this is why I love NextGen because this is totally clinical. Like this is clinical and you better know what to include in your handoff report. Hydration status, necessary, unnecessary. And I don't want you guys to think of this separate from what's going on with your patient. This is a relevant question because we're developing getting to know this man. Y'all don't know this man. So if you were leaving him in the hands of somebody else, how are you going to equip them? All right, let's, let's look over the answers. Let's go over the answers. Question, answers, here are the answers. Vital signs, absolutely. Tell me why. And I know some people may be thinking, you know, you may even work as a nurse right now, I don't know. 
but you say, I, I don't usually give the vital signs of the patient, right? I'm just going away for 30 minutes. But why? Why are the vital signs important here? Because they may not always be important. That's the thing. This is the difference between NCLEX and NCLEX Next Gen. Because you're not going to be able to just have these broad, you're not going to be able to have these broad, like, and it's always, you know, digoxin is always related to whatever. It's not like that anymore. It's like, okay, this is a case study. So now out of everything that we've been studying, narrow it down to this one patient. And this patient is changing, right? And you're learning new information about this patient. You just saw his head CT. So why is it necessary? Okay. It's necessary because this patient is dizzy. It's necessary because, yes, we were given vital signs and there was a decline in some things in his vital signs. So the nurse right now, right, his blood pressure was dropping the last time we saw his vital signs. So... <laughs> I love that, Chris. Chris said, this is why you can't be going to lunch. You trying to go to lunch, and we don't know what this patient is doing at all hemodynamically. There's some issues right here, okay? All right, okay. So anyways, the vital signs is necessary. Also, the BMI, unnecessary. We're not going to get that. We're not going to add that in there. We're not going to give the BMI right now. Um, the cognitive status, necessary. Because even though the patient doesn't have a head CT, I'm worried about, why are we worried about the brain? This is a good question. The patient seemingly on the report, if we go back, he's able to give his own, he's able to give his own health history. Why is his cognitive status important to us? What are we worried about here? Because it's not, uh, it's not so much if he is, alert and oriented. We already know that. All right. Um, why is it? And I see your question about the hydration status because people are like, why is that? Why is the hydration status important?